Money Sense is brought to you by the Ellen Becker Investment Group, three-time recipient of the Better Business Bureau's Torch Award for business ethics and integrity. The Ellen Becker Investment Group is the only Wisconsin investment company to receive this prestigious award more than once by providing exceptional planning and extraordinary service each and every day. Go to ellenbecker.com. Listen to Money Sense Saturdays at 2 p.m. and Sundays at noon. Founder and Senior Wealth Advisor for the Ellen Becker Investment Group. We are located in Pewaukee, just east of Highway 164 and Capitol Drive. We're in that great big, beautiful town bank building. We're also in the village of Whitefish Bay in the Equitable Bank building. Across the street from Winkies, everyone knows where Winkies is, and Kitty Corner from Sendex. And now, especially it's nice since the weather is changing and getting colder, that we're able to service our clients in Bonita Springs, Florida. So if you'd like to more details, if you'd like to see pictures, uh, just go to ellenbecker.com. My guest today is Mary Pat McAuliffe, and she is the Director of Memory Care Services at Capri Senior Senior Communities. And we have been working very closely with Capri Senior Communities to help us to um, inform our clients, but inform my listeners of some of the choices that people have to make as we go through that aging process. Not only our own aging process, but the aging process of our parents, which I always like to do a show like this before the holidays, because often we get together with family members, and sometimes if we're seeing our parents every day, we don't often notice the changes that have occurred, but our siblings coming in at this time might say, boy, you know, mom seems not to remember as much, or the house doesn't seem cleaner, or there's a lot of stuff laying around, and um, do you think those bills that are piled up in the corner have been paid? <laughs> and uh, for me, I have to say that you know, my whole life I've not had a great memory. I've always, um, I've always thought, oh, you know, what was that name? What was that name? And as I've been aging, I think to myself, boy, I hope that, you know, I'm not going through um, any kind of memory loss. And I go, Karen, you never had a good memory. And so, but I think we, we all worry about those things. And Mary Pat is a certified dementia care specialist. She's also developed the first Alzheimer's ability-based program in the Medical Center of Princeton in Princeton, New Jersey. She comes with a passion for celebrating meaningful moments and recognizing who the person was before dementia while supporting the person they are now, which is, I think, um, something that's so important. I was talking to one of my employees today, and she said my dad has had dementia now for about three years, and one of my dearest friend Didi's mothers had dementia for 15 years. And so there's a big span in between there. And I know my friend Didi um, tried to keep her mom at home as long as she could, and currently um, our employees' mom and dad are home and it's when do we make the decision? And Chris looked at me today, and I said, she said, I really have to make that decision because the impact of my mom has been so great. So, Mary Pat, let's let's talk about memory care and what that's like for a family to go through. And I know my friend Didi will always say, I don't have it. I don't have it. <laughs> you know, she'll remember something, and she'll say, I don't have it. And so there is an impact on... There's such a, uh, 
unfolding that happens in families and even friends when this happens. So mm-hmm. how, yeah, that's how, what true. does that look like and how does that? Well, let me, let me reassure you first <laughs> that even though you've never had, you say, a good memory, um, I too, I think most people get a little nervous when we forget things. But the rule of thumb is um, if you forget something, but no matter how long it takes you to recall it or remember it, if you do, you're good. You're okay. <laughs> Don't worry, right? Because it is a natural part. But um, to your point, yes, uh, Alzheimer's disease in particular um, has a significant impact on families uh, as well. And as many of your listeners might know, there are well over 100 different kinds of dementia. Um, some is reversible. Some are reversible. Um, some are not, but Alzheimer's disease is the most commonly diagnosed. Um, many times... So we, they just say Alzheimer's, but yet there are so many levels beneath the word. Yeah, well, these actually, different. yes, there yes. are. So you've got your umbrella. The, the saying is, is you've got your umbrella of all of the dementias, and then you have different dementias underneath that mm. umbrella. But Alzheimer's disease is the most commonly diagnosed. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, we get a lot of folks that are looking for places to live, and we just get a straight diagnosis of dementia with not really understanding what kind of dementia they have, which can make a difference, um, or where they are in the stages. So, for example, frontal lobe dementia does not really have uh, a memory impact as much as it has a higher executive function, planning, organizing impact. These individuals still might retain some of that good memory. So it's different. Um, But I think what's really important to remember, if you do have a loved one who has a diagnosis with dementia, to really try to see if there's some tests to figure out what type of dementia, um, because there are different um, symptoms. So, you know, when we look commonly at dementia, it's just not about memory loss, as I said before. You know, it can be challenges in language. Um, that might mean word-finding problems, being able to form a sentence together, express, express thoughts. There's some visuospatial things that may be going on. And so that is where objects are in space and time. Um, so you might see someone walking across the floor and there might be a rug or something that they see might be or feel might be it a hole or something that's not Mm. safe to walk through. Um, And that's in addition to any kind of vision changes that age brings along as well. So that's complicating. Um, There's also changes in personality that can happen, changes in attention, organizing, planning. There's a lot of things going on. It's just not memory loss. And what about age? Does this only happen to elderly people? No, we've had people that have been diagnosed in their mid-40s late 40s. Um, And because there are so many different, you might even be looking at a Kripskos, which is alcohol-induced dementia. Um, And that might, you know, if someone is drinking excessively, you might see that in uh, a younger person as well. Uh, So no, there are... And it's funny because I don't even know if you have a statistic on this, but I happened to be talking to an individual the other day, and a, a physician, and they said that there's statistics showing that for aging people and young people that are using marijuana, that they're seeing memory loss associated with that. Have you heard anything on that yet? Nope. 
<laughs> I have not. No, because that no, was a, that was an interesting <clears throat> statistic, and I mm-hmm. thought, oh my goodness, because everybody's talking about that. That's kind of the interesting subject right now. When you talk about um, the memory loss, and and you talk a, about um, dementia. Is that something that one sees in a family? Is it pronounced within families, or can it just reel its ugly head at any time? <clears throat> well, there there is a lot of research going on with that. We do see that it has some train in some families. Um, um, I was just uh, part of a lecture that I was hearing, and they were focusing on, like a lot of us in the field are focusing on, Prevention. Now, just to be clear, when you're talking about prevention, um, we're talking about slowing the process down. Mm-hmm. Um, there might be other factors, environmental factors, and things that, that we do um, that might not um, be warranted with good, good um, what am I looking for, not advice, uh, Good decision making, if you will, mm-hmm. right? Right, things that we do, um, but there are things that we have to pay attention to. What we eat, um, reducing the stress level in our lives, uh, making sure that we are getting some relaxation, some stress reduction, um, making sure we are physically active, making sure that we are also doing some cognitive challenges to ourselves. Most people think and believe that. Um, crossword puzzles. Everybody's doing Every the word morning. search and crossword <laughs> puzzle, right? We got to go for it. Um, and while that is beneficial and it is helpful, we're talking more in terms of challenging your your brain and things that are much more challenging, new situations, problem solving kinds of things, which are healthy. So while you have to embrace all of those things, there is a way to slow it down. Um, there was an in- interesting question. Um, about what about the food that we consume, you know, all of these new chemicals yes. and, and all of these things that that we're not quite sure what the long-term effects are when it comes to dementia. Um, and so there are things like a lot of sugar in your diet, um, making sure we're, eat- we're eating and consuming some of the omega mm-hmm. um, that, that are available. Um, and so in some sense, there are, it is about some of the things that we are eating. But I really, I know we're talking today about um, making the decision mm-hmm. of when someone um, has to decide whether or not they're going to keep their loved one home or not. Um, when when these children, adult children, are coming home to visit parents over the holidays, what are some of the signs that that they might be looking for that would be an indication that there is something going on? Well, um, things that were possibly important um, to the individual have had some changes. So, for example, if they've had things a particular way, either in their bedroom or in their kitchen, and they notice things are becoming a little um, disarray, if you will, if they notice that perhaps medications um, are in some way not being taken or they're taking too many. So if they're familiar with medications are gotten once a month Mm -hmm. and it seems like they're not stretching to the end of the month um, or they seem to be going beyond the end of the month, that may uh, inadvertently have an impact. If people are getting a little disorganized and even lost with inside their home, Mm -hmm. that's an issue. Maybe a little bit more hesitant to drive. That could be 
many things, but it might be because they're starting to get lost and they're realizing they're getting lost. And so they stay a little closer to home. Um, And I know that husband and wives, if it's a mom and a dad, they sort of cover for each other. They do. (laughs) They do. But if they do cover for one another, you begin to see um, some weariness. Yes. Some fatigue, maybe even a little short, short bursts of frustration from the person that is doing most of the caregiving or most of the guiding them as a couple um, because it can be extremely fatiguing Mm -hmm. uh, and stressful Um, and we talk about how that stress really impacts the caregiver and how the people the person that they're taking care of can feel some of that stress yes can feel what's happening and knowing that they are not probably quite a hundred percent but not sure what's going on or what's wrong my guest today is Mary Pat McAuliffe, and she is the Director of Memory Care Services at Capri Senior Communities, and we're going to take a break, and then let's talk about what those decisions look like and how they make the decision to move to that next level of care. With Thank that, you. we'll be right back. And there are many Capri communities all over our city and in Wisconsin dealing with a whole variety of issues that seniors face. And I know one of the questions that I'm always talking to my clients about is, at what point do you want to stay in your house or leave your house? And that's a really big question. And people have a lot of energy and a lot of motion, even just thinking about that next step. And so I can only imagine the difficulty from both a husband and a wife or an individual, a family, in making that decision that what is the next step for the person that I love who is dealing with memory care issues. So, Mary Pat, how does that, what are the hurdles and how do people um, deal with that? And as I said, our employee that I was talking with, she said, mom needs a hip replacement. She's taking care of dad. I think it's time. I can see how exhausted she is. It almost seems like you're waiting too long at that point. Well, and people wait too long, if you will, because of promises that they've made or what they feel they should be doing and what the right thing is. Um, Many people want to keep their loved ones home as long as possible. The loved one wants to stay home as long as possible. There's no doubt about that. I know that for myself, right? There's no place like home, says Dorothy and the (laughs) Wizard of Oz. Um, But there is a time when it will start to wear on everyone involved. Um, Most people move, uh, make the move, or start looking for uh, a memory care neighborhood when they're in a crisis mode, when things are starting to fall apart around them. Um, We're seeing um, sleep patterns change. We see people with clothes that seem they've been wearing for days and days when 
behaviors, um, behaviors of trying to adapt and trying to be normal from someone who might be struggling with the environment. You know, as we mentioned before, some of the visuospatial issues that might be having, the planning, the organizing, the memory, those things start to change and alter. Um, and so when that happens, um, not only does the, re- does the individual become in distress, but just so does the caregiver. So I think to understand that while staying home is really kind of an ideal for everyone, as someone begins to change with memory loss, their social skills change, their ability to initiate things change, to seek out things that they enjoy change. Um, and, and the unpredictability of something happen, I think, is really difficult, too. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, But we really see some of these social skills are the first things that begin to fall off. They struggle because they can't communicate as well or they feel foolish because they can't recall or remember something. So the tendency is to kind of withdraw a little bit. Or if they feel that something's wrong and they don't know quite what, they begin to mask some things. And in masking, um, that means that they don't initiate as much. They kind of stay to themselves a little bit more, and that might be different than we're used to seeing Mm -hmm. with them. In all of those things that happen, I think it's important to, to make note that to move someone into an environment which supports them in a way that their home can't support them is really crucial. We want to be able to hold on for ability of these individuals for as long as possible. And if you are looking kind of long-term or short-term, moving into a memory care neighborhood or making the transition into the the memory care neighborhood, the sooner you do it, and I know that sounds terrible, you know, like before the time, but the sooner you do it, the more likely that individual will adjust. Um, um, Sometimes we say people who move into either an assisted living even or a memory care might never adjust. Um, And part of that is because there is no place like home, Mm -hmm. right? But in the big scheme of things... But it's the isolation that has such an impact on people, I think, regardless of they remember things or not. It's that feeling of aloneness Mm -hmm. that I I would guess would be very frightening. Yes. The the isolation is um, very frightening and and the loneliness... But moving into, and we could talk about that even for the caregiver, right? right? It's just not about the person with dementia, because if the person with dementia needs more support, the caregiver is giving that support. And giving up something of themselves. They absolutely are. They absolutely are. You know, even a simple trip to the grocery store alone might create an, an insurmountable amount of stress and worry, and that's detrimental, right? So... In being able to move an individual into a community where people are trained, these are people that are are educated um, and understand the impact of dementia. And earlier in the show, we talked about all the other symptoms in addition to a memory loss, right? But the individuals in these memory care neighborhoods, or Capri calls them neighborhoods, um, others call them units, um, they're trained in how to recognize and know what might be going on with the person with dementia. So the environment gets altered, dining experiences get altered, programs get altered to really embrace who that person is and what might be going on from a symptom standpoint. 
that's a little bit more than what a caregiver who is keeping someone at home can provide to their loved one. And they're just trying to keep things as normal as they can, even though it's a whole new normal. It is. <laughs> it is I mean, a whole new normal. Um, but many times it's keeping the person within their eyesight and keeping them, you know, just in the kitchen area because that's where I can keep an eye on them and not going out to visit with friends and even friends that were couples, you know. I was talking to a client just recently, a daughter, and she came in to help and look at her mother's finances in terms of um, some of the services that they were providing, but how many more services could they afford to provide? And I was sitting there with her and she said, well, I've taken all the knobs off of the stove and we have this put in place so this won't happen. And I've done, and I mean, and I looked at her and, and I said, are you exhausted? She said, I think about what else I can do to keep my mother in her home and keep her safe. But now when she's driving, she's starting to get lost. And I said, we really need to talk about what you can do to take care of yourself. And maybe being at home isn't the best thing for your mom. Even though you've put all these things in place, there's always another one. Yeah, there is. But the guilt. And she's not there. Mm -hmm. So she worries. She calls her mother like every three hours and says, what you doing, mom? And pretending that she's not checking up on her, but she is (laughs) checking up on her. It's exhausting. And guess what? They know it. (laughs) Yeah. And it's exhausting. Mm -hmm. And I have another friend that just recently's husband was diagnosed with Parkinson's with um, some dementia. And I sent her a book. And she sent me a note back and she said, thank you for the book. And it was the woman, it was the wife's, uh, what is it? Um, the wife's, the wife's caregiver's book. And I sent it to her and she called me and said, I, everyone has sent me books on how I can take care of my husband. You're the first person that sent me a book on how I can take care of myself. (sighs) It just was like, it just landed on me in such a way because we don't always think of the caregiver. And some of the research shows that the caregiver, that the caregiver actually um, experiences multiple health issues as, again, a result of the stress and the constant worry. Um, and I think that's something that's significantly important to remember and to realize about why the caregiver has to take care of themselves. But more than that, even you do, if you do go ahead and decide on placement for the person that you love, um, this is an opportunity for the caregiver to really rejuvenate and become mm-hmm. healthier. So the quality of time and sleep. Sleep, but so keeping that, the that qual- person safe. Oh. And being able to sleep. I'm getting a little notice here from Wendy saying, you have got to stop talking. And so let's take a quick break. And when we come back, let's look at some of the questions that people need to ask themselves when they're making that decision of where to go and what kind of facility would be the best for them. And with that, we'll take a quick break. McGalf, and she is the Director of Memory Care Services in Capri Senior Communities, and they have been coming on the radio show once a month and writing in our newsletter talking about what are the things that we need to know 
as we age, as our parents age, and we've been talking about the um, dementia, Alzheimer's, and memory care, and it's it's really a tough question. And I know for many of my clients that I talk to, one of the things that they will say, how do we even bring it up? How do we even make that decision? So Mary Pat, that's a tough, that's, that is very tough because so many of the clients that I have and their parents are in their 80s and their 90s. They're private. They don't want to talk about their money. They don't want to talk about their health and they don't want to lose leave their houses. I don't want to talk and about when my I, money. And, <laughs> and when I die, just float me down the river. You know? And it's almost like my mother the other day, she said, well, I just want you to pull my plug. And I said, mom, you don't have a plug. <laughs> My my mom said to me, you know, just get me a wheelchair, put me in the wheelchair, get me a brown paper sack lunch and push me into a Barnes and Noble (laughs) and come get me when they close. I'll be good all day. She was very funny like that. Yeah. She was very funny like that. You know, under all the fun, funny in the comments and, you know, I've made them. You know, to my kids, I've said, when I die, put fasting at last on my gravestone. (laughs) And nobody knows who's kidding and who's not. And yet, these are all very serious issues. And at some point, a decision has to be made. Yes, it does. And too, even though we're we're talking about our moms, I think it's really important to understand going into making this decision that we are not and that our loved one or our moms or our dads or whoever is not giving up their life. Mm-hmm. We're just giving them and helping them with an opportunity to live it more fully based on who they are now. A higher quality. We, yeah, I mean, we celebrate who they are and, and, and the good sense of humor and the warm memories. But they've changed, and so must how and where they're living so they can still have a wonderful life. People can have a good life with dementia. Um, I know everyone's afraid of it, but we just have to make those own adjustments. And people with dementia don't understand, they lack insight because of the dementia of how much work it really does to make sure that they're safe. And that's the number one reason why we see people looking for for memory care communities and neighborhoods. You know, as I had mentioned before, people have a tendency to look when they're in crisis. And that's not a good time to look. I mean, we need to be proactive. Um, And so they don't understand the amount of care that they need. Um, And in moving someone to a community, um, your responsibility and your need to continue to take care of them, making sure that they get what they need, doesn't change. But now you're just becoming the manager, not the doer and the manager. People who are experienced and are trained to deal with dementia can be the hands-on people, Mm -hmm. the hands-on doer. It's really important that you have um, a a good ability and a good sense to be able to maintain and orchestrate what's happening. Um, But, again, it's about the safety issues. So we look sometimes at the global deterioration scale or the FAST scale. And in about stage three, stage one is there's really minimum or no um, symptoms of dementia. But in stage three, going into four, you begin to see some safety concerns and safety issues so that the family finally becomes aware that it's no longer safe for them to be at home, whether they're going out the door 
um, and then not being able to find their way back, whether it's leaving the stove on, whether, again, it's a medication issue, um, or making, you know, answering the phone calls and making all kinds of donations. Maybe there's scams out there. Yes, I hear that all the time. Mm -hmm. And um, their appearance and the appearance of where they live has changed, where they were always really meticulous. Now, as you said earlier, sometimes they have the same clothes on or their clothes aren't clean. They just don't even see it. Yeah, they don't. I, and, and I do want to make one point about the clothes being clean. You know, many of us might rewear something that's not dirty, mm-hmm. right? It's just because whatever. And so, you know, someone who wears an outfit repeatedly doesn't mean they have dementia. Um, but if it's soiled and the yes. odors, then that's, then that's part of that decision making. But again, you know. So anyway, so in making some of those choices, it's usually the safety factors, right? Um, and the communication. You can do things, think other things that will signal it might be time is that they're needing hands-on assist with dressing, undressing, bathing, cooking, those kinds of things. Um, little awareness of um, recent events um, or, or losing that in space and time. Uh, needing assistance with the restroom, going mm-hmm. to the restroom. Maybe they're having um, more frequent accidents yes. in the restroom. Those are some of the indications. And this, again, is wearing heavily on the caregiver because they have to maintain those things. And I know one of my clients currently is dealing with the continuous questions over and over the same question. And that can be frustrating. Well, you know, sometimes people think, oh, my gosh, you know, they're doing it just to get on my last nerve, (laughs) right? And that's not the case. They truly don't remember the answer you gave them or that they've asked it. You know, it's the same thing where they might say, oh, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. And people say, Mom, you just ate. Well, the truth of the matter is they still feel it. Yes. They still feel hungry. So it doesn't matter whether they've eaten or not. That's kind of irrelevant right? It's yes. just how they feel. But those frequent questions are things that can that can wear mm-hmm. on a caregiver, absolutely. The other thing that I, I think that people need to be aware of is the loss or gain of weight. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, usually we say about 5% more or less. If we see that they're losing weight, those are they are those indicators that they're not probably or they may not be getting the nutrition that they need. And so what is the easiest way to get to the point of making the decision? Is it including, is it bringing the family together? Is it bringing in a third party? Is it an evaluation that gets done? How does that step happen where we're recognizing that we need to make another decision? We have to do something. What is that next step? Well, it's always very stressful for the family. Because you always have, um, not always, many times you have one family member probably doing more of the care, you know, if you're talking about a sibling, let's say, and maybe other siblings are out of state. And so they don't really understand the, the significant impact that it has. Family dynamics are tough. And when, when times are tough, sometimes the skeletons come out of the closet, Right. And, mm-hmm. and there's discourse among the family. But usually the power of attorney, um, the designated power of the attorney is the one that kind of drives 
um, what's what's going to happen. You generally have to have a physician who declares that the power of attorney is actually activated for an individual, and that is based on the individual's ability to make decisions or not. Once that power of attorney is activated, then again, that person is the person kind of driving the bus and driving the decision. Mm -hmm. So that means that you've also included physicians in this decision to help give you a sense of where the mom or dad is or brother or sister, Mm -hmm. where they are actually in the stages of dementia um, and what might be the next step. My guest today is Barry Pat. McAuliffe and she, McAuliffe. McAuliffe. There mm-hmm. we go. I'm so sorry. And uh, as I said, she is a certified dementia care specialist. And we are talking about making the decisions once we notice that um, one of our parents, one of our a loved one, um, someone that is really struggling with memory loss. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, let's talk about finding the right one. And I remember my grandpa who lived in Minnesota. We didn't really even know him that well. We visited him one or, t- one or two times a year. When it became apparent that he had dementia, I still remember my dad saying to my mom, don't you ever put me in a nursing home. Don't you ever do that to me. I want to stay home. This is my home. And um, my father ended up almost 11 years ago having pancreatic cancer and did pass away within six months. So my mother was never put into that predicament of honoring my father's um, wishes. But they never really knew how times had changed and how the facilities had changed. And what my father experienced with his dad was totally different than what would be the experience today. And so with that, we'll take a break and we'll talk about today's experience of memory care and um, and facilities that are available. founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellen Becker Investment Group. If you would know, like to know more about us, you can go to ellenbecker.com or give us a call at 262-691-3200. My guest today is Mary Pat McAuliffe. 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 <laughs> Why should that be so hard for me? Although everybody calls me Ellen and not Ellen, not Karen Ellen Becker. It's Ellen. So, oh, really? so you know, names. I just, I guess I gave up a long time ago, but I apologize for that. Oh, please. Um, you know, Mary Pat, I told the story about my dad and how he felt about nursing homes. And um, when I talk to my clients, I talk about retirement communities and Things have changed, haven't they? They have changed. They've changed quite a bit. And it's, it's you know, funny. We, t- we did used to refer to nursing homes. And now they're actually long-term care uh, is the reference or skilled yeah. nursing is the reference. But when you talk about different levels of care, of course, independent is independent. But within a campus, you might have those independent apartments. There really is no care provided. Um, And then there's also assisted living, which, again, might be on that same campus, assisted living where you need, you know, some basic um, um, support in whether medication or actual care itself. And then you have assisted living memory care. um, And then you have the skilled nursing, which is that 
long-term care, which is that nursing home, I guess, um, reference that you had Mm -hmm. done before. And so it's important or it's beneficial to take a look at a community that has an all-inclusive campus. We call that a continuum of care. So that if you are in an independent living, it's easy for you to transition to that same, within that same campus into assisted living. And then into memory care if that's what you need and into skilled nursing. And the reason why is because you're familiar with um, the company that you're living with that you're established with, you have friendships that can follow you through the different continuums of care. Um, You have staff members who are familiar with who you are. So your family is kind of your new family, if you will, is traveling through the needs that you might have all along knowing who you are. Um, And so when you're looking at someone um, who you're trying to place, you want to consider sooner than later. Mm -hmm. It still gives a person an opportunity to decide how they want their apartment to arrange, what things they want to bring along with them. It gives them um, a greater opportunity to really start developing friendships because they still have some of the skill to do so. Even though dementia um, challenges our social skills, you still can make those connections. And in talking with the care teams there and getting exchanging information and building relationships, that's how they get to know who you are. So that's really important. And when you're looking for a place, you're looking for a place that's grounded in building relationships, not just care. Care is important, but if you can't take care of the emotional part of the person and you can just really care for the physical part, you're not getting your whole package. You need to be able to find a place that is willing to make connections with the person that's so important to you um, so that they're willing to connect beyond ADL care. Mm -hmm. What are you doing in in between times? What's happening? Most communities have a wonderful program um, in place. Um, For Capri, we call it the Lifestyle Enrichment Team. Um, Other places can call it activities um, or they have other terms for it. But really, what are they offering to celebrate who that individual is? And I think that's important. When you walk into a kin, that's probably a whole different (laughs) show for you right now of what to look for in an actual program. Um, A lot of it has to do with the physical, emotional, and cognitive well-being of the individual. So we'll save that for another time. Um, But when you do walk in, um, you choose um, communities that are based on the program, how the staff approach you when you enter the building. And we're just not talking about the receptionist or the person who's going to give you a tour. Along the way and within that tour, do you have people from the dining staff saying hello? Do you have the caregivers saying hello? Are the people who are in the office, the business office part of the building, are they acknowledging who you are? Are they saying hello and acknowledging your mom or your dad or whoever you're seeing that you want to have placement for? Um, That will give you a good sense of what you're getting into um, by far. When you walk through the neighborhoods, 
are there people, are there pods of people interacting throughout the neighborhood? Or are they all, excuse the expression, kind of herded into a room where the program might be going mm-hmm. on? Where's the life throughout? Um, does it have a safe, we refer to our neighborhoods as safe havens. Um, others might say a secured neighborhood or a locked unit. We kind of like to stay away from those terms because who wants to go live in a locked unit, right? Right. <laughs> right. But what are the terms that they're using um, to embrace the living style um, that they're presenting? So the safe haven is actually um, where we do have um, doors where we are monitoring who's leaving and who's coming in for the safety of our residents. Uh, Because part of the issue is if someone walks away from a safe area, if they're in different stages of dementia, they don't have the ability to find their way back to the Mm -hmm. safe place. Right. And that's, again, one of the reasons why we find And I think for um, the individual that is staying in the neighborhood, that is in the community, um, the important thing for the family member is knowing that they're safe and that they can trust that that uh, parent, that loved one, is being watched. And mm-hmm. that's, that's the thing that I think scares people people my clients the most is that um what if what if something happens and the guilt that they would feel well and the guilt is always in the placement too i mean that's what if if i could wave a magic wand and take the guilt and the worry away from these caregivers who have been probably exhausted for years i would do that you know but it's all in about finding the best place Mm -hmm. for your loved one that you can. And we talked a little earlier today about the feeling when you walk into a building. Yes. You know? Um, um, and I think if they go with their gut and they go with their heart and they enter based on who their loved one is at this moment and what they need, it's going to be the best decision that they can make. Right? Right. Um, just because I have, we have doorways in our neighborhood where you do have to, you know, we're, we're monitoring who's coming in and out. You should still always be comfortable at coming in any time to check. Mm-hmm. It is not to be a barrier. Yes. It's just to embrace safety. Right. Um, and we know we have that experience that it's an important thing to do. It's it's scary, and making the decision is not easy, but. Earlier before the break, you and I and Wendy were talking, and it was about um, the feeling that that you have in letting go of your parent or taking that decision-making away from them and honoring who they are as an individual. And, you know, it's very difficult to watch someone that you love kind of disappear. Yes, but being careful not to be part of that, not to be a contributor to that. Yes. So we elevate them. They're coming here to be elevated and to have a higher quality of life, not to be diminished. And we see once the adjustment does happen, people see their loved ones bloom yes blossom because they're making friendships because we've created people in the industry Mm -hmm. can create opportunity for those friendships to develop and nurture those friendships and not stay at home alone 
Mm-hmm. That's right. And be isolated. That's this right. has been a great conversation, Mary Pat. Thank you so much. If somebody wants to get in touch with you, how can they reach you and learn more about the Capri communities? And if they have questions, how do they reach you? Um, they can go on the, our website, actually. Um, they can go on our website and just put in a request, contact us, and ask that Mary Pat McAuliffe give them a call back. Thank you so much. My guest uh, today, as I said, is Mary Pat McAuliffe, and she is the Director of Memory Care at Capri Centers. And as always, I hope that I've made a difference in your personal and your financial well-being. Remember, before we plan, before we advise, before we invest, we always, always listen.